Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. Lovely getting back together with uh, familiar faces. Um, uh, can't think of a better way to end off a week, which was um, a week which, again, we're all we're all doing our best, praying, working on ourselves, showing our solidarity for our brothers and sisters over there in, in Eretz Yisrael in Israel. And um, one, of, one, of, one of the rougher weeks a little bit, a bit of a tough and a rough week. And uh, Hashem should just turn everything around, send very good news very soon, and have this all behind us. No more pain, no more suffering, no more bad news. Only good news from this point and onward, Rabbi Selachayim. Selachayim, and, and of course tonight's Chobosh uh, and Shalom being sponsored by our very own Shlomo, the Steve Novik, in honor of the Chalmoid birthday of his son, Aryeh. And uh, till 120. Hey, 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 hey. Good health and, and, and good tidings. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yes. We didn't even start yet. Well, how do you have any? What well, do you want to know? What, how old he is? What's your question? The tumor said still it's open air. Is it not somehow a deficiency in body? Our Say it again. All right. So b'shalach, uh, parshas b'shalach, and it seems can't believe it's been an entire year since uh, last year. Also, we had a sponsorship from our very own Shlomo Novik, Shlomo the Steve Novik. Also, last year b'shalach was two years. Also, and this is the second year now running. Okay. Anyway, so let's in our remaining time, let's talk about b'shalach a little bit. Focus on a couple of points here towards the beginning of the parsha. So Bishalach uh, continues, picks up exactly where Parsha's boy leaves off, which is the Exodus. We're ushered out of Egypt, or kind of pushed out of Egypt, shoved out of Egypt. You know, get out of here. That's what the Egyptians. That's what Paro tells all of us. Um, you know, the dying left and right, and um, and we leave. We we Paro's trying to get us out already by midnight, midnight of the fifteenth of Nisan. That's when all the firstborns simultaneously drop dead. And Pyro comes over to the Yidden and says, it's, uh, get out of here, get out of here, we can't take any more deaths. There's a mass casualty event over here in Egypt. And we say, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. We're enjoying our supper. We're enjoying our carbon Pesach. And indeed, the Yidden don't leave till the next morning. The Yad Rama, the Puzzle tells us, we leave with dignity, we leave with pride, we leave as free men. So this already happened in Parsha's Bayit. There's a number of stages, it seems, that goes into that freedom, the, the exodus, the actual exodus process of Kleiso leaving Egypt. The first stage is, you know, sitting, eating like royalty on the night of Pesach, eating the garden Pesach. Paro running around frantically knocking at everybody's door, looking for Moshe at midnight, telling them to leave, releasing them, and then actually walking out the door. That all happens in Parsha's Bayit. In Parshas B'Shalach, we open with Kleiso already having departed. They already crossed the border. They're already, you know, in the desert. They're making their way towards the Yamsuf. And um, Apostle says something interesting. It describes the geography of uh, where they were and where they were going. And <clears throat> here we have uh, anyone that has Darn Chumash that wants to follow along, look this up inside. Towards the beginning of B'Shalach, Perik Yedal, Apostle Aleph. 
So a- after they've already left, okay, this is the situation, this is the scene they've already left. And Vaidabra Hashem, Moshe Lamar Hashem speaks to Moshe Dabra Ben Speak to the Jews via Shuvu, let them turn around. They should turn around. Viachanu Lifne Piachirois Bain Migdal Vain Hayom, Lifne Baltzvain Nichrois Achanu Alayom. So they should stop. They're 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 all marching, you know, out of Egypt. Which Egypt is behind them right now. Egypt is behind them, and the Egyptians are behind them. Their their life as slaves is all is behind them. They've left all that very much behind them. They're marching towards you know generally in the general direction towards the land of Israel towards Eretz Canaan, and Hashem gives Moshe the following order. He says, Klal Yisrael should now turn around. And in camp facing Egypt, and Paro's gonna say, Nebuchadnezzar Ba'aretz, the Jews got lost, they lost their bearings, they got disoriented, and Paro's gonna feel an emboldened, he's gonna come chase after them. And that's indeed what happened. The Torah tells us that where they camped, this wasn't just uh, you know random coordinates that were out in the desert. This place is given a name. Where they stopped and they turned around, they're out of Egypt, they're out of civilized area, but the place where they stop and they turn around is given a name in the Torah. The, the, the geographical location is named. What's it called? The, the mouth of freedom. The mouth of freedom. That's where they stopped and turned around. Why? The place is called Piachiros. Now, excuse me, the Egyptians didn't call this place Piachiros. The Torah is calling this Piachiros. Hashem is naming this place, is given a name. It's a you know, a landmark now, it becomes, uh, you know, a place that the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, uh, what? Travel, the, not that, the, uh, the, um, tour guides. Tour guides are going to bring everyone here to show you over this place. This is Piachiros, this is the place where the Jews turned around. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a place where the tour guides <laughs> stop and they say, this is the place, you know, there's like four different places. If you take all the right tours, a little bit Herschel, if you take all the right tours, you know, there's four different places where you can actually see the pillar of salt that used to be the wife of Lot. You know, the Yaakov was married to four wives, but apparently, you know, there's four different places that different tour guides have different. This is the, this is this is the actual, authentic pillar of salt. This is the pillar of salt. This is the pillar of salt. What? I never saw it. I saw one. Yeah, you saw one. There's, there's three more of them. Anyway, so yeah, the place for the tour guides to point out to people. But the tour, let's dwell on the fact that the tour gives it a name. Wherever again, wherever the coordinates are. What Piachiros? Yeah, but um, well, let's see Rashi. Very good. We're going to see Rashi in a moment. It goes over. Herschel is a little bit of it's a step ahead of us over here. The Torah gives it a name. This name, the place where the Jews encamped and turned around, faced their adversary, is given a name Piachiros. What, what's Piachiros? The mouth of freedom. Says Rashi, who Pisan, like like Herschel saying, that's the name of Pisan. One of the what? They were free men. Very good. So this is the place that's formerly known as Pisan. One of the cities that they had to build. Now the Torah is calling it Piachiros, the mouth of freedom. Al shame. Listen very carefully. Says Rashi, why are we calling this place Piachiros? Shenasu Sham Bnei That's where they became free men. Piachiros. That's where they became free men. So that's what Chiros is Chiros, which means free. The mouth of freedom. This is where they became free men. And the question is, this is where they became free men. This Rashi doesn't make any sense. This is where they, they became free men. Where did they become free men? If you want to find a place where they became free men, well, n- maybe in their homes in Egypt when they were eating corn Pesach. That's where they became free men. When, when the place, the very place where Paro stood, when he 
ordered Moshe to get the Jews out of Mitzrayim, that's where they became free men. When they crossed the border, that's when they became free men. When they crossed the sea, the, where the sea split, maybe you want to go that way, that's where they became free men. When they stood at Har Sinai, that's when they became free men. There's a lot of places that if we would ask, where exactly did it happen? Can we, how do we pinpoint the location where the Jews became free? We would have said a lot of places, but where they stopped and then they turned around, that's where they became free men. This is a, the perplexing Rashi over here. Piachirois, the place where the Yeshuvah V'yachanu, Yeshuvah V'yachanu, Be'migdol Ve'in Hayam, Nicho Yisachanu Al-Yam, turn around, have the ocean to your back, and face Egypt, that's where they became free men. Well, what's so significant about this particular event over here, this location over here, where they turn around, this is where they became freed. This is not where they became freed. They became freed afterwards, by the, when the sea split, when they crossed, they became free afterwards by Mount Sinai, when they accepted the Torah, they became free in Egypt, when power ran, and, and accosted Moshe, there's so many places where we could say, yes, here on the timeline, there were significant events and became free. Why of all places is Torah saying, and the Torah names this place for posterity. Pi Hachira is the place where they turned around, that's where they became free men. What happened here they became, that they became free men? They couldn't so, escape back to Egypt, back in that spiral. They couldn't escape. No, no, there was no place. So that's how they became free men. Because well, they got to a place they where they couldn't escape. <laughs> I thought that was significant. Why they they're stuck. They're stuck. They were stuck. They say they were stuck, right? Sogar Ale Midbar. Pyro's going to say they're, they're stuck. That's where you become free by getting stuck. So listen carefully. Listen carefully. There's two ideas over here, two levels of understanding. They're both beautiful ideas, both beautiful insights into what freedom really means. Okay, this is where they became free. We would never, on our own, we would not have identified this is the place where they became free. So what's going on? There's two things happened over here, actually. The first thing is, what 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 happened here for the first time in history? Something happened to Piachiros. They turned around and they encamped facing the Egyptians. The Egyptians come swarming out of Egypt, pursuing Klaisro, and they see Klaisro, the, the Jews see Paro coming, and his army coming, these huge clouds of dust up, uh, on the horizon. What happens at that point? What happens? What happened actually at Piachiros? The Jews did something that hadn't really happened yet in history. By Yerdefu Matzayim, let's skip a few psukim, then to here we're in Pasuk Tes, verse 9, chapter 14. So they caught up to them. The Jews were there by the sitting ducks, by the ocean. Paro's about to catch up to them. And the Jews lift up their eyes. They see that, that, that they, they see even the, uh, the guardian angel of Egypt is pursuing them, is on, is on Egypt's side. They were terrified. Klaiso called out to God. A primal cry and plea and prayer on the behalf of the Jews to God. This happened at Piachiros. The first time in history that Kleisel gets together to David. In Ace Tzara, a time of, 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 of um, adversity, a time that Kleisel is under threat, under fire. We have our backs up against the wall. And what do we do? What is our reaction what is our what is our approach how do we deal with an asara time of of of, of um emergency they all together in union and unison pray to hashem the first time in history the klaiso is doing this as a nation 
getting together and saying to Hillam, getting together and all davening all together. Why? Because we're up against the wall. Because because an emergency. Because 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 we're stuck. But what's our reaction to being stuck? We daven to Hashem, as opposed to so many other ways we could react, right? As opposed to trying to climb over the wall, trying to escape, panicking, um, giving up hope, despair. No, Klai Yisrael says our outlet and our one and only outlet and the correct outlet is to turn to God. Piachiros. Here Klai Yisrael becomes free. This is true freedom. Freedom. What's true freedom? True freedom is seeing that we have nothing to fear, including fear itself. There's nothing to fear, including fear itself. And when things look scary, the, there's only one place to turn that is the place to turn and that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because everything is ultimately in Hashem's hands and we are in Hashem's hands. We place ourselves in Hashem's hands. And true freedom, well, what's the opposite of freedom? The opposite of freedom is when I'm in everybody's hands. I'm at the mercy of all these boogeymen. I'm at the mercy of, of all the crazy political things that are going on. I'm at the mercy of the economy. I'm at the mercy of my boss. I'm at the mercy of my spouse. I'm at the mercy of my kids. My kids, you know, my father-in-law has such an amazing line. And I heard this from him 20 years ago. And I didn't appreciate it then, but now I appreciate it. He said, he said, when you're younger, this is for you, right? Words of wisdom. Father said there should be some words of wisdom for how 18? You're turning 18? That's a big number. That's a big number. Wow. I'm... In three more years, uh, you'll be able to, you know, be a bigger number even when you're 21, but, okay, 18 is pretty big, you can vote, you can vote, right? Okay, yeah, anyway, so, so, uh, my father-in-law used, used to say, you know, when you're younger, you got to listen to your parents, right? When you're older, you got to listen to your kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's never a time that you're really, truly uh, free. And, and it's, ah, no, the nachon, right? Nachon? Rabbeinu, he nachon. Emesviyatsev and nachon. So, anyway, the person who's not free is the one that lives, you know, sees himself as being at the mercy of all these scary elements that are out there. Life is scary, you know, the economy can be scary and What's going on in the world of politics that can be scary in the world of all the social, um, you know, craziness that's, you know, everything that's out there. It's a scary thing, and it's scary when we see that we're at the mercy of all these powers and all these forces. And that's the opposite of someone that happens, someone that turns to Hashem and prays to God. Even if we ostensibly pray three times a day, over the course of the week, but if someone is scared of these forces, of these, of these, of these, you know, the boogeymen that are out there, his prayers aren't really prayers. He's doing, he's going through the motions, he's saying the words because he knows he's supposed to say them. But if he's really scared and terrified of, of, of all these forces, and that's where he stays, that's where he's stuck, again, scared of the people who, who sign his paychecks every month, scared of the people, his, 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 his creditors, scared of of, of um, the people that are quote-unquote power then he is really putting himself at their mercy he's, he's making them empowered and they have power over him and life is indeed a very scary place when you at any time that it's an ace sara, a time of woe a time that of distress a time of emergency your intuitive reaction is just to turn to Hashem and dive into Hashem 
you're not giving anyone power. And the only one you're empowering is God himself. And that's why you turn to God. This is, the Egyptians are very scary. The ocean is scary. The snakes and scorpions are scary. The desert is scary. Hashem, you're really in charge of all this. You're empowering Hashem. You're disempowering everything else. The world is no longer a scary place. And that's freedom. That's true freedom. That is true freedom. Because when you put yourself in Hashem's hands, Hashem always has our best interests in mind. Hashem has nothing but our best interests in mind. And, and by definition, nothing is scary anymore. Nothing is scary because there's no power besides God's power. And God, by definition, is going to be leading me in the best way for myself. That is true freedom. There's nothing that's, that's, that's more of a free man than the man who cannot be terrified by anyone else. That no one can strike terror in their heart because you, you don't have any power of me. You don't have any real power. You don't have any real power. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But none of you have any power. God has all the power and the only power. So this is why we call this Pihachiros because this is the first place, again, Klaiswa collectively as a nation has one unified reaction in a time of distress and that's to die with Hashem, to turn to Hashem because yes, Hashem, you're the only one in charge. You're the only one that's in command. That is freedom. That's a beautiful idea. And, and something for us to tap into. You know, we all want to have freedom. True freedom is when we put Hashem in total control, in total power of everything. Everything else is disempowered. Hashem is the only one that is empowered because all power is truly in Hashem's hands. And I'm truly in Hashem's hands. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore. There's nothing really to be afraid of in life. And that's chayrus. That is freedom. When I am not able to have that clarity, I, I, I'm putting everything else in power. I am very much not a free person because... I've empowered all the scary elements, all the boogeymen of the world. Okay, everybody got that? That's why this is Piachiros, because the first place Klai Sol davens to Hashem, davening to Hashem in the time of Torah, is saying Hashem is the only thing in charge, Hashem is the only one that has power. That is true freedom, when I have that, that, that clarity. There's another idea here as well, a very beautiful idea. Why is Klai Sol become free? Again, we're free, truly free people over here because what happened at Piachiros that hasn't happened yet? One, we identify one thing that happened here that happened for the first time in history that Klai Yisrael together all davens to Hashem. That's freedom, as we just explained and explored. The other thing that happens here for the first time in history is Klai Yisrael doing something counterintuitive, something that doesn't seem to make any sense just because that's what Hashem said. Until now, we were in Egypt, yes, and we saw a lot of amazing things, yes. We saw ten plagues, yes. And we were released from bondage, yes. And we ate like royal people, like royalty, aristocracy, the night of Pesach, yes. And we walked out with our heads held high on the 15th of Nisan, yes. But everything that we saw till now made a lot of sense. Everything was intuitive. God loves us. God is here to save us, to fulfill a promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob many, many, many years ago. And... He is going to punish the Egyptians because they're very bad people and they deserve to be punished. It's a lot of bad things. Bad people that did bad things. And we're good people. We're good people that, that descended from the Avis Hakadoshim that you, Hashem made promises to. So everything they've seen so far makes perfect sense. Everybody with me? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the ten plagues, all the comeuppances that come up to Egypt, that all makes perfect sense. The, 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 the plagues, every single one of them, power releasing us and eating the Karm Pesach, all that makes perfect sense. We're following God intuitively. That's not a, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? It's easy to follow Hashem when everything Hashem is telling you to do makes perfect sense. Now Hashem is telling them something that makes absolutely no sense. Turn around. Turn around and put your backs to the ocean and face 
the Egyptians, and you know what, maybe you'll even start marching back to greet the, your oppressors who are out to recapture you. This doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to be escaping Egypt. We're supposed to be leaving. We're supposed to be off to Harsinai to do great and amazing things, to receive the Torah. Why are we turning around and going back to Egypt? This doesn't make any sense. Yet, Kalah Yisrael, en masse, collectively, nationally, they all do. They turn around and face their oppressors. Something completely counterintuitive. There's no pshat in this. There's no seichel. There's no logic. There's no understanding. Why do they do it? Why do they do something that's completely illogical? Because Hashem said so. Because that's what God said. That's what God asked you to do. That, Rabbi Yisai, is the second idea in what true freedom is. True freedom is complete negation to God. This goes hand in hand with what we said earlier, but taking it a different direction with a different spin, but they do go hand in hand. God, again, created us, loves us, guides us, gave us a Torah, gave us eternity, gave us ample opportunities and, and seemingly endless opportunities to earn that eternity, to have a relationship with Him, to come close to Him, to tap into His knowledge and His wisdom. And He knows what's truly best for us, and only He knows what's truly best for us. It doesn't always seem to us that, you know, that our minds don't always grasp Hashem, so to speak, mind. We can't wrap our hands, heads around Hashem's head, right? can't wrap anything around Hashem's head. Um, but we do know, of course, that by definition, what Hashem has in store for us is by definition the best thing for us. True freedom is the one that can blindly follow Hashem's will and Hashem's wishes, even when it's counterintuitive. If, if I have the ability to follow Hashem, what Hashem wants from me, when it makes sense to me, but when it doesn't make sense, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. If you can explain to me, I'll do it. If you can't explain to me what these black boxes are about. Uh, some ritual thing. I don't know. They did that thousands of years ago, probably because, you know, it, it increased their visibility in the desert. You know, that's what the black boxes. I don't know. You can see black GPS. far away. What? Yeah, GPS. I don't know. Solar collectors or something. Yeah, but nowadays not relevant anymore, this stuff. Shabbos, yeah, they had to keep Shabbos a long time ago when they had to work very hard six days a week. And that, but nowadays, but, you, know, you know, we have we have Sunday also. Sunday, we have Sundays off. We don't need Shabbos to rest anymore. So when, the moment we begin to, you know, second-guess God and reevaluate things that Hashem has told us, what we're, we're assuming, essentially we're taking an approach to Judaism that when it makes sense to me, I'm there. If it doesn't make sense to me, you know, it's at my discretion to take it or leave it. We're not really free men. We're not free people. That's not true freedom. We're slaves to ourselves. We're slaves to our own limited understanding, our limited comprehension, our limited take on reality. The only one that has the real, complete take on reality is HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. And true freedom is negation to Hashem's ultimate truth, Hashem's objective, clear take on reality, clear instructions for humanity and morality. That true freedom. If I decide to work based on my understanding, my limited comprehension, I, I'm, I'm a slave to my limited comprehension. I'm a slave to my limited take on life. That's a, again, a very deep idea over here, but a very, I think a good idea, a very beautiful idea. The second reason why Piachir is called Piachir is why did they become free men over here? Because it's the first time in history that Kalah as a nation does something that makes no sense. And they're only doing it because the Kodesh Baruch Hu said to do it. They're turning around and facing their enemy. They're marching back to their enemy. 
it seems like they're on their way back to Egypt. The only reason they do is because Hashem said to do it. There's no greater freedom than that. You're willing to do whatever I say, even when it's counterintuitive. You're free people now. You've completely negated. You've succeeded and break down all the barriers of limited, frail, finite, human, feeble understanding. You've negated yourself to my wisdom. That is true freedom. Nothing is going to get in the way anymore. What trips us up, again, so important to recognize this and realize this, what trips us up all the time is our limited understanding. When we work with our limited comprehension, our limited take on, on the universe, which is so small, so narrow, so we're so tunnel-visioned, right? Tunnel-visioned. Um, and that's what trips us up when we don't have the ability to break out of that and negate ourselves to Hashem's truth with a capital T. Okay, everybody got that? Okay, that's the second thing, what's called Piyachir. Here, Klaisel is the first time in history does something counterintuitive. Only because Hashem said so, they've made that breakthrough of complete negation to the rats and the will of the Bayer of the Creator, the Chaim. Okay, um, time for one more quick idea. So um, let, let's let's look back at Paro when Paro indeed um, regrets his decision, apparently, and he chases. He decides to rouse the troops and, and chase. Everyone, Dan, chase back after the Jews. We are in Perikidah uh, Pasuk. This is chapter 14, verse 5. Verse 5, if you have one of these guys, it's page 190. I think I'm the only one that has one of these guys over here. But uh, it's page 190, nevertheless. Remember that for future reference. And the Pasuk says like this, Vayugad lemelech Mitzrayim. It was said over, it was reported to the king of Egypt, that's Paro, Kivarach Ha'am. It was reported back to him that the nation fled. Okay, remember he gave everyone permission. He said, guys, go. Everyone go. Leave. It was reported back to him that everybody fled. Paro has a change of heart. The positive says, His heart flips over. Reverses its polarity. He has a change of heart. And Paro and his nation all said, What do we do? What do we do here? We released, we sent Kleisel out of Deinu from slavery, from being our slaves. So we see two elements we see in this Pasuk. One is the Pasuk is clearly saying that Parah has a change of heart by Yehofeich. His heart flipped over. Went from one sentiment to another one, one feeling to another feeling. And also he says, together with his nation, he confers with the rest of the Egyptians. He says, what do we do? We, 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 we dismissed Kleisel from working for us. What do we do? Why do we do this? So there's, there, there's a question that needs to be asked over here. How does this work with the first half of the Pasuk? What was this report that he got? What was the report that Paro got? What, what, what report did he get and when did he get it? So they're running away. Why is he getting a report? What? He already knew he released them. Why is he getting a report? Okay, first of all, Levius was asking a question. He, he released them already. He, he let good. them go. So what, what, what report is he getting? Three days. Three days. Oh, very good, very good. What did Paro say? What were the terms that he released them under? He said, what were, what were they petitioning for the whole time? They, they never really asked to, to leave and go to Eretz Canaan. They never asked for that, right? What? To serve Hashem, exactly. But for, what were the terms of the, of, the, of the deal? What did they request? What did Moshe request? Three days in the Midbar. They're going to go serve Hashem, make a big party, bring sacrifices, and come back. They said they were going to come back, right? That's what they said. We're going to go a three-day journey into the desert, bring some sacrifices to our God. We're going to make a big party. Chag Hashem Lanu. It's going to be a nice party, Paro. You know, you're invited to if you want to come. 
bring your own cow, right? But if you want, you can come and join us. Um, and we're going to come back. Paro agreed. As we say in the yeshivas and Talmudics, he was masking. Paro was masking, right? He agreed. He said, oh, it's fine. You guys go, go. after Makas Bukharis. He finally relented. Go for three days. Take, your, take men, the women, the kids, the children, the, the, the livestock. Go. Go for three days and come back. So what was he told? What was he told in Pazakei? Rashi says he sent um, he sent spies along, agents, and they told them that it's been three days and they're not coming back. They're not coming back. They didn't come back. So Paris said they didn't come back. Well, let's go. We better go recapture them. Okay. So so what he heard was it was reported to him that the Jews. Um, didn't live up to the terms. The Jews were the ones that broke the deal, correct? They made a deal. The terms were, they're going to go for three days and come back. The Jews broke the contract. Agav, you know, you know, Chazal tells, you know who these people were that reported it back to Paro? Dozen Aviram, yes. That's right, it was Dozen Aviram. Targum Yonison says, that not, none other than Dozen and Aviram. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, but so, so the Pasuk is like kind of weird here, right? Paro changes his mind? No, Paro never changes his mind. The Jews change their mind. Paro is, 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 is good. Paro's fine. Paro, where, where, where did Paro flip, flip out? It says, Paro, Paro flipped out. He didn't flip out. He said, go for three days. And he's waiting for them to come back. Then didn't come back. It should be, Kleisro flipped out. Kleisro is the one that, 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 that changed their mind, that had a change of heart. Not Paro. What was the Pasuk saying? Paro has every right to, to want to, to bring the Jews back because the broke, Jews broke the terms of the contract. Everybody with me? Yeah? So what's Vayehovich Levat Paro? And not only that, Paro says, What do we do? We sent, we released the Jews from servitude. That's not true. He didn't release them from servitude. He never did that. You, you sent them on a three-day vacation. He sent them on a three-day vacation. He never released them from Avdus. He didn't set them free in his mind, from his perspective. He made a deal with, he made a deal with Moshe, go for three days and come back. And now he's saying, look, the, 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 why do we let them go? Why do we release them from slavery? He never did that. There's two things in the puzzle that are very off. He never released them from slavery, yet he's saying that he did. And Vayehovic, he had a change of heart. He never had a change of heart. The Jews were the ones that changed, not Paro. What's going on? The terrorists is like this. If we look closely and carefully in Rashi, um, when the Pasuk says we release them from serving us says Rashi from being our avadim there is something very very delicate and very very profound going on here in the Pasuk and Paro did have a change of heart and Paro is regretting what he did because he really in fact did release the Jews from slavery even though he only gave them a three day vacation and this is what he regretted. This connects directly with an idea that we presented last week. In Parshas Boy, we were talking about why Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim was an exercise in defeating Paro, his Avadim, and his Oretz. Remember that we talked about Paro? There are three circles. There's Paro, and then there's his slaves, his, his servants, whatever, his henchmen, and there's his entire country. And we said last week that Paro's whole objective was to replace God, and God has a universe that he wants to project godliness into and he has intermediaries that's his servants that's us and the malachim that that are are, are the mediums that project godliness in this universe power wants to do the same thing 
Paro made himself into a god, and he wants to project Paro-ness into the entire universe, certainly into Egypt and everywhere that he can get his hands on, and through the mediums of his Avodim. Kla Yisrael is there to be a medium for Paro-ness. That's why he doesn't want to let go of them. That's why he doesn't want to free them. That's why he's so obstinately hanging on to them. And that's why he's saying that even once I let them go, even if it was only for a three-day vacation, saying, what was I thinking? That's the Vayei Hafech. He has yielded to God. And he's, for even if it was just for three days, but the moment he says, you guys can go for three days into the desert and sacrifice to God, he's replaced Paronus with godliness. He's allowed godliness to come into the world, and he doesn't want that. And that's what he realizes he, he messed up with. That was his mistake. He made a big mistake over here. And that's the Vayei Hafech. Even if it was only for three days, what was I thinking? How could I have... How could I have um, messed up with my whole mission assignment over here is to replace godliness with paranoia, to make myself a, a god, and to have the entire Jewish nation. That's why he doesn't want to let anyone go, because then there's less Jews, there's less paro, there's less paranoia. What did I do? What was I thinking? And even if it was just for three days, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a, a tactical error. It was, it was a significant. It was, it was a blunder. That's a blunder. It was, it was a, a complete. A complete um, you know, contradiction to Paro's entire objective and what he's all about and what Egypt's all about. And that's Shilach of Denu. Even again, it, does not, it doesn't make a difference if it was for three days or for a hundred days or for one day. The very fact that he yields to God is replacing Paroness with godliness, and that's what he regrets over here. Okay, so we should all be privileged to godliness always, to be those mediums, to be the Avadim, the Ana Avdu, the Kuchabrihu, to project godliness always into the world and to be able to negate our feeble-mindedness to the, the infinite mind of, of God and proudly fulfill our mission and bring the whole world and ourselves towards our destiny and, and, and receive much-muchness always, Rabbi Yisrael. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Thank you. Good Shabbos.